It takes more than great code to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, the podcast with your host here, Dave Smith. I'm your other host, Jameson Dance. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once again. It's another great day on the podcast. I feel like there's an intro voice that every podcast has, and it's different from your regular voice. Why do you think that is? Because you're just so excited. That's true. Yeah. Hey, let's get this thing started. <laughs> it's your drive time morning commute and we're ready to go. <laughs> it's your morning show voice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. Do I, you're saying I have one of those? I think we both do. Oh, jeez. Now I'm going to be self-conscious. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yours is good. Oh, phew. Well, uh, we have a couple of questions today, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to read the first one? I would. I would love for you to read the first one. So this is from a listener named Would you ever fire someone over a coding mistake? For example, should you empathize with ignorance and explain how SQL injection works? Or is the mistake so basic as to be intolerable? Would you change your answer if the mistake was found during a code review or as the source of a data breach? Little Bobby Tables. Yeah. (laughs) I think we both agreed pretty heartily on this, like, no with a little asterisk, right? Do you want to talk about your (laughs) philosophy about this? Yeah, so um, I would say that if you're working for a company with an organization or a process where one mistake like this can turn into, by one person, can turn into a huge disaster, then I wouldn't generally blame the person. I would blame your process or your organization. You know, like, where was the code review on this? Where was the QA on this? Where was, um, like, any kind of, like, training? You know, I mean... How did this get out into the wild? Or maybe you are the only person. <laughs> then you, you sh- can't be fired because yeah. you're the boss. It's fine. So yeah, that, the, that's the my question, first response. The question mentions code reviews. And in my mind, code reviews are, are to help you identify and fix those mistakes. So they're serving their purpose if they're finding mistakes. If, if I got fired for mistakes in code reviews, then... Yeah. I, <laughs> if you don't have... Why would you have code reviews if you're not expecting mistakes? Right? Yeah. Um, also, like if you choose bad tools, um, SQL injection, for example, is a totally solved problem. And if you choose the wrong tools for the job, uh, then SQL injection is possible. So you should almost fire the person who chose that tool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm still not suggesting even firing that person. <laughs> fire the person who chose that person. <laughs> Every time there's a mistake in the code review that's caught, you get a new CEO because <laughs> ultimately they are responsible for the whole organization. Uh, minus one, new CEO. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I agree with your basic premise that is people don't work in a vacuum and people make mistakes. And part of the purpose of an engineering organization is to prevent those mistakes from ruining your business. And it's mm-hmm. it's really hard to blame one single person. Um, either if you don't have any processes, then it's not that single person's fault. Or if you do, and and they fail, like then look at your processes and maybe they maybe they could get better. Yeah, yeah. But, it also depends on whether it was exploited. You know, like if you put out an SQL injection, that doesn't automatically mean that someone's going to take advantage of it right away. And if they don't, and you find it and fix it, then no harm done, right? But if someone takes advantage of it and like, I'm going to ask you this, Jameson, let's say I put out an SQL injection vulnerability in my code Mm -hmm. and then a hacker gets onto it 
figures it out and uses it to like do a massive data breach or, you know, change customer data, or do something really, really bad for my business. Um, then what? Is it different? Uh, I, I think I, I still will stick to my guns that, um, that's an organizational failure, not an individual failure. I don't see why the consequence of it is different. I guess maybe there's PR that goes into that and the company trying to save face and people Mm -hmm. will kind of get sacrificed to, Mm. to appease people that are mad. And, and if your junky website ended up with me having my identity stolen or my bank account compromised or something, I would be super mad about at your junky website and would, would, would demand action, you know, but, um, I don't know that firing someone who makes a mistake uh, communicates the best thing to the organize or to the engineering organization, um, because well, now that I'm saying that, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> it makes you a lot less likely to make a mistake. Well, I don't know. You're, you're, if you found out somebody got fired, so, and then I mean, let's say you do you that. Know. You fire the one person who wrote the mistake. That that is, by the way, the person that is least likely to ever make that mistake again. Yeah, I know. I was going to say they're going to go and examine their lives and figure out how the hometown of their birth affected the <laughs> line of code that they typed and what they could do to change it. Huh. Yeah, I, I I think the the key is your organization needs to get better in response to mistakes. And in most cases, I don't see how firing could make that happen because it seems like you'd want to encourage vulnerability and admitting not knowing something. Maybe this person made a mistake because they were scared to ask for help that they saying they didn't yep. know. Like uh, they maybe they didn't even know SQL injection was a was a thing that could happen, and and they didn't ask for help because they wanted to show off like all the awesome stuff they could do by themselves and then they just pushed this out they just pushed this out uh and then if they're fired like it's going to clamp down on people's openness make it even worse you know maybe you already have a culture where people are afraid to ask questions and then they get fired and now now what you know yeah maybe i read the code and i realize i have done the same thing that that person got fired for and i don't know that would make me feel kind of horrible every mistake like this is an opportunity to learn and either an individual is going to learn or an organization is going to learn and you know you can either say well oh i didn't know about sql injection now i do i know how to avoid it i'll use the tools correctly next time or like jameson saying maybe you have a culture where review doesn't happen well people can't ask questions and you you know this is a chance for you to learn that and i just don't see firing as being the right answer here um, because you're also going to create secondary effects if you fire someone you don't know what they'll be, but there definitely will be an effect. Like, Joe, did you hear about Bob? He got fired for that SQL injection. You know, those conversations are going to happen. So that will definitely happen. And it's really, yeah. really hard to predict. I I could kind of see one situation in which maybe you could defend it. Say you have all these policies, you have code reviews, you have unit tests, you have a lot of stuff to help make sure you don't break things. And someone just YOLOs and <laughs> deliberately works around them all to push out something and it breaks everything and has huge consequences. I could maybe see mm-hmm. in that situation taking action against that person maybe. because, but but even then, what led them, I mean, I would not do that 
to like get one more Jira ticket done in my week. You know, <laughs> I would only do that if there was the threat of death hanging over my head. Like you must get this out now and you don't have time to wait for all the unit tests. And by the way, your unit tests take five hours. And like, there are all these things that would contribute to that person feeling like that was a good idea. And maybe, maybe those are the culprit too. Very well possible. Um, we, we've talked a little bit about learning from these mistakes and as kind of a tangent, this is why one of my favorite things to do is read both debugging stories and production outage stories because they're always these um, just insane sequences mm -hmm. of fantastically rare events and that reveal some tiny thing that someone missed five yeah, years ago that ha has been armor. sitting dormant forever <laughs> yes. and, and like how can you say that is your fault and you should have caught it when it's sat there for for five years and hasn't broken anything and i don't know it's i, I always learn from them and sometimes i feel like i'm glad i write javascript when i <laughs> when i read about how someone's like automated automated config management rolled back a change and the rollback had a bug in it so it wiped out the config files and then it brought down the whole microsoft cloud and man <laughs> the worst i can do is make the button disabled when it should be enabled <laughs> <laughs> your button had an outage <laughs> yeah it did no more five nines on that button <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, actually, yeah, that, that makes me think of another thing. Um, I feel like if you did this, um, the ops team would be disproportionately punished. And it, yeah. it, it feels to me. Good point. Um, when they have the disproportionate amount of responsibility for maintaining stuff in production. And that just feels kind of unfair. Like they, they do more of the work that is related to production stuff. So, of course, their work will affect production things more. I don't know, that that just seems gross. Since the question was asked, would you ever fire someone over a coding mistake? I think maybe we should say, well, what coding mistakes can you get fired for? Like, what does that look like? Or would you fire someone for, Jameson? Uh, I mean, if their code had like horrible racist things in it, I guess. <laughs> Your comments are just totally inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, or like they deliberately defaced some public property or something. Or... What if what if this developer exhibits a pattern of mistakes just over and over and over? You said oh, I with them. get, I get what you're. I'm Objection! Leading you're the witness. Down. <laughs> what a coincidence that you bring that up. I was just thinking about that, Dave. No, I think you have good stuff to say about this. What do you? What do, what do you? Well, got? I mean, I. I I can't imagine a scenario where I would fire a developer for one coding mistake. I just can't think of any. Uh, Jameson, you mentioned like, well, what if it's a life support critical system and someone died as a result of it? And even then, I'm like, where was your process to protect people's lives, you know? So fire mm -hmm. the CEO. <laughs> yep. Um, but if a developer makes the same mistake over and over, and you, you've talked to them about it, and they just continue to do it, at that point, you start to ask the question, this developer maybe is too costly to have on our team. You know, like, I just can't, they can't keep coaching them like this uh, if they're just going to make the same mistakes and not improve. And so, yeah, I think that's when you start to have the conversation, maybe it's time to move on. But one mistake, I have a really hard time imagining a scenario. Yeah, I agree with you. Cool. Question answered.
Yep. Fire the CEO. Fire the CEO. <laughs> you missed a semicolon? Sorry. Of course. They're- well, no, they're happy because they get their golden parachute. That's true. The CEO's like, sweet. Sweet. <laughs> double they, double my trigger. 10 million in, <laughs> my 10 million in stock options kicks in. Um, oh, uh, one more comment on this. Dang it. It slipped my mind. I know I have it. Oh, no. My joke was just so good. It was worth it. We can edit this out. I'm willing to wait. (laughs) Oh, Oh, well. It's lost. Like tears in the rain. It's gone. Yep. Okay. Okay. Do you want to read our second question? Yep. Let's do it. So this one's from an anonymous listener. Uh, This person requested to be anonymous. So it's going to be juicy. (laughs) They said, how do you positively represent the desire to be demoted? I am called a, quote, senior engineer, but I got that way because of null instead of actual skill. And paraphrasing here, I think this person means basically by accident. I would like to be more, I would like to be a senior engineer at some point, but I would be a better one if I travel more where I have senior developers to look up to, established processes, etc., rather than stressing about defining everything myself. But that's a weird thing to say, to say to a current or potential boss, and it's hard to do without also volunteering for a pay cut. What do you do? That, that was a long question, Jamison. Can you sum that up for us? Yeah, yeah I think... Another way I would sum this up is I, I don't know everything. How can I be a senior engineer? Mm-hmm. Um, I I think you could go two ways at this question. One way is um, one sense I'm getting from this question is this person feels like they maybe don't have a lot of people to learn from, which I think that's a thing you can demand at any level. You can be a senior engineer and want someone to mentor you still. It, it's not like no one can tell you what to do just because you have some job title. And and that one, if you don't have it in your organization, uh, you kind of just have to seek it out outside, just find people you look up to and talk to them about questions you have. Oh, yeah, um, okay. But the other one is, I don't think you need to know everything to be a senior engineer. And, and I don't think you can be a senior engineer and think you know everything because that means you've got some kind of delusions going on. There's, I've talked about her stuff before. There's an engineer I really admire named Julia Evans. And uh, she, I, I would call her like the patron saint of developer curiosity. <laughs> That's a good one. She just loves uh, like writing these blog posts that start with, how does this thing work? And then she just writes down the stuff she learns as she uses it and Googles it and asks people. And she's very open about what she doesn't know. And that allows her to learn a ton of stuff. Um, and, and I don't think that in any way makes her not a senior engineer. I think that's a sign of a senior engineer. She's very able to learn things both from other people and from Google and also to figure things out on her own. So I don't think I don't think you have to know everything to be a senior engineer. But isn't there some kind of baseline where like maybe established process, like he, he specifically used the term established process here. Um, yeah. Like how do you figure that out without someone on your team to look up to? Uh, that's what agile consultants are for, right? <laughs> Perfect. You don't need to be a senior engineer. Just bring in the agile consultants. Yeah. Ask someone else. I the that baseline of what a senior engineer is is so 
fickle mm-hmm. and, and fungible. Mm-hmm. I think it's really hard to define. I agree. So, so on the one hand, um, this listener might have a false expectation where uh, they're expecting there to be this class of engineer that can guide them that may actually not exist. Um, but on the other hand, it could very well be that this person literally has no idea what they're doing. You know, and it's like, I just need someone yeah. to ask very basic questions. In which case, yeah, you probably yeah. do need someone. Um, I, re- I would really like to know exactly where this person is on that spectrum. Part of it maybe is what are the people around them like? Do they feel like people around them think they are smarter than they are and they don't, uh, they, they maybe can't live up to it? Hmm. Or do they just think like I'm in charge of all these people or I have this seniority over these people and, and I can't do it. But, but it's not like people have this unrealistic expectation of them. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I will say though that when I've moved into leadership roles, I have felt this way too. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know where to go. I, I'm, I'm just kind of playing it by ear here. And in a lot of ways, it felt the same way as I felt when I was just starting out as a developer. And you're like, well, surely someone knows how to do this and they can point me in the right direction. But you know what? You figure it out. And sometimes you have to step into the void a little bit in order to actually start improving. And, you know, it, it, sometimes it's no big deal. You take, you, it's a little bit uncomfortable. You're pushing your envelope of what you understand and know, but you're also growing as a result. So I would say, don't be too afraid to be in this situation. But on the other hand, I've also seen people say, look, I, I don't want to work at this job anymore because I don't have anyone to learn from. Have you ever been in that situation, Jameson? Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that's actually a pretty crappy situation. It's great to have people to look up to and learn from, especially when you're starting out. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was trying to talk about at the beginning, mm-hmm. that you do need someone to learn from. It, you can learn stuff on your own. Um, it can be a lot faster to learn from other people. Yeah. And, and that's a harder problem to solve. So now let's talk very tactical. So you're at your job. You don't want the responsibility you have, but you also don't want a pay cut. How do you manage that? Just do a, a slightly worse job <laughs> over time. And then what, what, <laughs> why? What does that get you? Uh, you know, I hadn't thought that far. <laughs> <laughs> that's the extent of my plan. <laughs> Just do a little crappy. So I had, yeah. a, I had a coworker <laughs> who was very happy to be an, what we call an individual contributor. He did not want any leadership responsibility. He just wanted to own the project that he owned, work on the code that he worked on, and nothing else. And when he would go in for his annual compensation review and the manager would present his raise, he would literally say, you've got to stop giving me these raises because I know that you're going to pay me more and then you're going to expect more from me. I don't want to do more. I like my job. I like where I'm at. I don't want more money. And I remember managers telling me this one time and they were just so surprised that anyone would not want to make more money, even if it meant getting more responsibility. But this guy didn't. And you know what? That's, I think that's totally fine. He did a fantastic job at what he did and he just had no interest in extending his you know, responsibility beyond that. There's also sometimes opportunities to just move to different roles in the company and I guess this depends a lot on the company, but sometimes that doesn't necessarily involve a change in pay. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about kind of the dual tracks for advancement that Facebook does and some other companies do too, where you can advance technically, you can also advance kind of managerially. 
uh, and and maybe if the stuff you don't enjoy is kind of the process type thing, then then you want to move into a more technical role. So there might be some opportunity to just um, just kind of slide sideways into something that fits your yeah maybe your skill set a little better. Do you literally slide when that happens? Your desk is on wheels, <laughs> and you just slide roll it. it over to the side. Uh, but ultimately, it is going to be a hard pill for your company to swallow in most cases, I think, if you say to them, I want to make the money as if I were had this level of responsibility, but I want to have less responsibility. And so if you really are serious about having less responsibility, you might just want to say, I don't want to pay raise next year. I just want you to, you know, drop my responsibility a little. I I would first try saying... I want to focus on being an individual contributor and not say anything about a pay raise. Cause don't talk about the money side of it at all? Yeah, don't say it at all. And then if they don't bring it up, then great. <laughs> you That's did it. a really good point. Really good point. But if you if you say like, and I will hand back to you, giant company that has thousands of times more money than I do, this chunk of money, that means a lot more to me than it does That's to true. you, by the That's way, then, then they'll be like, sure, we'll take your your tiny pittance. And you may not even know if you're on the high end of your pay scale. Maybe you're not. Yeah. Maybe you're already underpaid. <laughs> yeah. Really maybe, good point. maybe you are. Ah, oh, Jameson, you're so wise. You really put the skill in soft skills. <laughs> Thanks. I put the soft in soft skills. <laughs> <laughs> uh, flabby skills. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tricky one. I have not... I, I have encountered the feeling basically everywhere I worked that like, do they know what I can actually do? I'm pretty sure they're overvaluing <laughs> my skill set mm-hmm. uh, or, or like I don't know enough to be as capable as I want to be in the job. But I've never actually done anything about it as in go and ask for to, to, to do less. How have you um, managed? Have you just accepted the responsibility and you rolled with it? Yeah, I just I just do a crappy job like in my plan. <laughs> So I actually one time got pushed into more of a leadership responsibility than I wanted. And I was fairly confident that it was by accident and management didn't actually know that I was working in this level. And so I I went to my manager and rather than say, hey, I have too much responsibility, I want to do less. I said, hey, can you coach me on how to be a, uh, how to be like a team lead? You know, and and my man, because it was more, I wanted to make them aware of it without telling them that I didn't want it. And it was funny because yeah. his response to me was, oh, you're a team lead? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I didn't think you had been here long enough to be doing that. And I was like, yeah, I guess it kind of just happened. And he's like, oh. And it was a very different conversation than saying, I want less responsibility. You know? I was able to couch it in a positive light. And then he got the message and worked on it. And I think in that case, I actually did kind of return back to a little bit more of an individual contributor role. Hmm. I I think that is a fantastic point you made, though, that asking for help, I think this is what I was trying to say earlier when I was talking about Julia Evans, that I don't think that asking for help is a sign of weakness. And just because you have more responsibility, it means you're not allowed to ask for help. Like the help that they give you um, if you have more responsibility, now affects the organization more positively. So it's it's easier to help you and help everyone else than it is to individually help every single person get better at their job. At their job. Yep. So I, I I think a good organization would be overjoyed to to have someone that recognizes that they want to get better and they'll work at it. And yeah, totally. And I think they would they would love to support you. Yeah, I think so. If, if there's no one that can help you, then you're in a sad. Yeah, place, that's but. true. <laughs> 
Um, it'll also, I think, put your leadership in the right mindset about you so they know what you're doing and what level you're contributing at instead of leaving them to guess. Because it sounds like maybe you've stumbled into this, dear listener, and uh, as a result, it's possible they don't know. And if they don't know, maybe they won't even pay you what you think you're, you should be paid at that responsibility level anyway. So this might help on the financial mm-hmm. side. Sure. Yeah, this is a tricky one. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear uh, if you do anything about this, how it yeah, goes. Yeah, I mean, we'd love to hear that. We've had a couple of listeners do that where they, they take our advice or they reject our advice. You know, really, you could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then they come back and write in and say, well, here's what I did and here's what the outcome was. Those are the best. So um, if you share that with us, uh, we would love to hear what you did. And we, if you agree, we'd love to share it with our listeners too. For sure. Question answered. Boom. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Well, how can people hear more from us? Well, you could play this episode again. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) So literal. Um, (laughs) The best thing to do is find us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at softskillseng. And we post every new episode there when it comes out. We're doing them about weekly. You could follow Dave on Twitter. He is DJ Smith 42, right. if I remember right. Or Jameson, who is Jergason, J-E-R-G-A-S-O-N. Yeah, I've been on kind of a roll of um, just cat cat videos lately. So, so sweet. You, you can't really find yeah. those anywhere else on the internet. So you should yeah, follow Jameson. Yeah, I think I've cornered the market. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week. Farewell.